Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hello, my name is Neil Selwyn and in this episode of Meet the Education Researcher, we're talking about participatory design. For this, I'm joined by Bronwyn Cumbo, a researcher from Monash University whose work uses participatory design approaches to explore children's relationships with nature. Bronwyn agreed to talk me through the basics of what participatory design researchers call PD and explore how PD is beginning to be used in educational contexts. This is a fascinating approach that's beginning to be adopted in lots of different areas of education research. So first off, I asked Bronwyn for a one-line elevator pitch of what she understands PD to be. So PD or participatory design is a design approach that looks to partner with future users or stakeholders in an intervention through the process of design. And so why would education researchers be using a design approach? What's in it for us? From what I understand in education research, and I'm not an education researcher, um, they seem to be using participatory design as a form of co-learning or collaborative learning, learning or participatory approaches to support learning. PD essentially is around, one of the main outcomes of PD is mutual learning itself. So bringing a bunch of people together and using particular methods to promote learning and empathy between different people so they can all incorporate their perspectives into a design process and ultimately the outcome. So before we start talking about the research applications, I mean, it'd be great to go through the P and then the D. So first off, what is participatory about participatory design? How does it sit with other participatory approaches? So the P is the participatory element, which essentially is about bringing people together, giving them a voice in the process and understanding what they think, what their experience is, and how they understand a particular problem that you're trying to address through participatory design. It's closely related to participatory action research, which is like an iterative process that looks at social change and brings people together, usually at a community level or in a bunch of different applications. Um, So they both emerge together. The difference between participatory action research and participatory design is the intended outcome. So PD is really looking at how we can design technologies and digital technologies today as a source or a process for addressing a particular problem rather than social intervention or some kind of social behaviour change. So we're trying to design something, but I mean, what, what are we doing? What are the processes? What are the actions? What are we actually doing in these participatory sessions? The methods and the techniques and tools are like the main currency in PD. So it really has, it draws a lot of ethnography to really understand what's going on for these stakeholders at the beginning. So there's a number of different principles that um, PD is run by. Firstly, because it's looking at sociopolitical elements, it's looking at user like democracy, emancipation, user empowerment. Um, And these kind of values are underpinning what happens in design and the intention driving it. So instead of kind of crowdsourcing ideas or trying to just understand what's going on, we're really trying to understand how we can benefit the user through the activities. Um, methods are the second process and that's really about how we can facilitate mutual learning between these different actors in a process. So often they use a lot of creative tools, um, cultural probes uh, to understand what's going on to facilitate communication. The third component is looking at practice. So it's not just about what people say, it's also about what people do and what they think and how they feel about certain things. So drawing on these different methods to understand those different components 
And an important part of that um, is that we situate these activities in the practice context, so mm. where the users are actually situated. And so they can draw on a lot of tacit understandings that we don't often see in when we're just interviewing somebody. So when I think of design approaches, I think of getting a bunch of people in a room, a whole bunch of post-it notes. We might call it a workshop, but it seems like it's a bit more embedded in the real social context than that. The traditional approaches to PDD definitely do that. So PD emerged in um, out of Scandinavia during the trade union wars, and it was a response to a lot of concerns um, that technology was taking over uh, workers' positions in the uh, like the positions of workers in the workplace. Mm. So a lot of Scandinavian researchers and participatory designers uh, developed these methods to understand what was going on for the workers and to actually involve them in the process, which involved which required them to go into the workplace and mm. understand what the conditions were and what was happening. Um, so that situatedness is an essential part of PD that's really been distinguishing feature of PD. So the second part, then the D, I'd like to go through what, what the D of design actually stands for as well. Now, how does PD fit with the kind of broader design tradition? PD sits within and draws from a bunch of other uh, approaches, whether it be service design or user-centred design or learner-centred design. There's so many different approaches now that have been designed specifically for different contexts. I think PD really sits in between many of these things and since technologies have proliferated beyond the workplace, mm. these types of design approaches have kind of melded together and new approaches have kind of evolved for these different contexts. So I think elements of PD inform a lot of these other design approaches that we're seeing today. So for example, co-design is often used interchangeably with participatory design, but they are essentially different things. And depending where you're from in the world and how you perceive these different approaches, you'll have a different idea about that. But in some ways, whether you actually end up with a successfully created design and a product is probably not the uh, the main purpose for doing this. Yeah, well, again, it depends on who you are. So if your outcome, if your intention is to produce a technological output, you might invite a lot of people into your process and partner with them throughout the activity with that broad intention of designing something. Others who are more concerned with um, the process focus might, for example, user empowerment, might design certain methods to make sure that there's design competencies or other forms of learning that are embedded within that design process as you go go along. Mm. So it's kind of about balancing that process and the user benefits of participation versus the outcome at the end. And there's they kind of complement, but also there's a bit of tension between those two yeah, things. Yeah, I can as you imagine. Through. And you also talked about the Scandinavian origins of, of the PD approach. I mean, it sounds quite radical. It comes from trade unions. It's about empowering workers. I mean, to what extent is this still a kind of radical approach to dealing with the social? I think um, there's a lot of researchers in Scandinavia now who are calling for a revisiting of these Scandinavian values. So a lot of researchers at Aarhus University, for example, are kind of calling for re rekindling these values in things like so why are we doing, looking at why we're doing PD. Mm. So where are the socio-political elements? Um, how, how are the users benefiting? There's been critiques around this idea of crowdsourcing ideas through PD approaches. So rather than really thinking about this reciprocity around how we think about design. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. So, I mean, we're talking about PD being used in all sorts of areas, not just education. I mean, what are the classic areas of, of PD approaches? I mean, what questions are being asked outside of education? Yeah, so from what I understand, PD is primarily used within the field of human-computer interaction. And that's a very broad field that just deals with anything to do with the use or design of technologies and people. So within HCI, there are developmental psychologists, educators, interaction designers. So uh, it encompasses a broad uh, range of disciplines. And PD is used by those researchers to varying levels of degrees. Mm. 
Um, PD has its own conference. There's actually a participatory design conference that happens every couple of years, and a lot of those researchers work within the HCI field. But they're really concerned around issues of inclusivity, user empowerment, um, involving marginalised communities in design approaches, so really understanding these important sociological values in the design process. Which are all things that education researchers are interested in as well. So I'm really interested then, how is PD creeping into education research? I mean, what sort of stuff is already out there? From what I've seen, there are two main areas where PD is being used. Uh, The first is within the design of physical learning spaces. So there are technological elements often within these learning spaces, but the term PD is being used to kind of essentially bring people together, teachers, Mm. designers, architects, students sometimes, and look at how we can design schools or um, different types of learning spaces to facilitate different forms of learning. Um, The other area is in the design of technologies for schools, and that's where I've seen, particularly in the area of child-computer interaction, that's where I've seen most of the research, and it's quite advanced um, research and discussion around the applications of PD in those fields. And your own research was, I mean, not necessarily educational, but was certainly with children and technology. How how were you using PD there, and what what were you actually looking at? Yeah, so my research was looking at um, the potential for technology to connect children to nature. And I wanted to understand how you could use participatory design approaches with children in their nature play spaces. So understanding how these children are playing and then developing approaches to enable them to imagine technologies for their practice. Mm. And this is quite unique within the field of PD and child-computer interaction because generally this research has been carried out in adult-led institutional contexts. So going to the kids, going to their turf, it's kind of revisiting that idea of going and situating PD in their own practice space and then trying to design methods that are really derived from their own play and Mm. what they do. And does it work well with children? It sounds like a kind of a big undertaking to try and transplant something from the kind of shop floor to to the play space. Yeah, definitely. I think PD is a wonderful opportunity for understanding um, the perspectives of children because it uses a lot of, within CCI or child-computer interaction, there's a lot of really interesting methods that people have developed working with with kids. They're really playful. Um, There's a lot of like tangible making or performative elements um, that also work with adults, but they Mm. work really, really well with children. Um, Within my area and with my research in their play, I really looked at how we could align a lot of methods with their play activities. So um, looking at the way they use the natural spaces, a lot of the embodied kind of practices that they engage with and how you could kind of draw on those to get them thinking about digital applications in this very kind of place-specific idea of design. And so what what are you getting as a child researcher that you wouldn't be getting through other approaches? I'm interested what, what we can gain from PD approaches. These things are, one thing I should mention is these things are quite time-consuming. That's probably one of the main constraints that PD researchers would experience. But one of the main benefits is that you... Definitely, um, the partnering with children means they're much more likely to share really genuine and deeper insights about their practice with you. They're, they're on board. Their parents will be on board. So you really have these partners. It mm. feels like a genuine, genuine partnership in the design process. The longer term elements like designing these things properly means you're more likely to kind of produce sustainable outcomes that are relevant to their actual play context. Uh, and on top of that, they will learn from you. Uh, so there's all these wonderful opportunities to build design competencies and research competencies. So the kids that I was working with really developed a deeper understanding of what research is, what the work I do is, whether they want to be able to do that kind of thing later on. So there were these kind of discussions that happened after we kind of paused the play activities. So. Yeah, no, you've preempted my next question, which is going to be, what do the kids get out of it? Yeah. Sounds like they get quite a lot out of participation. 
Yeah, it's particularly if you design it with that intention um, and not assuming what it is that they want to do, particularly in their play context. I think these kids want to make sure they have a good time and the parents want to make sure they have a good time because it's their free time. So being very considerate about that. And then um, it took me a long time to build the relationships with these these families because essentially I was entering their world during their free time, which is quite sacred for a lot of families in cities. So we've talked about how long it takes to actually do. It's quite a time-consuming thing for any researcher to be engaging in. But I mean, what other tips have you got for somebody trying to take this on? I mean, first off, what classics should they be reading? I mean, and what do these people say? Okay, so some of the great PD reading would be um, Jesper Simonson and Tony Robertson wrote a handbook for participatory design, which is quite recent, which has a lot of great information and examples about PD. And it's very much grounded in the Scandinavian um, approach. So that's a really great read. Um, and then all the articles from the Participatory Design Conference, PDC. Uh, PDC. Yeah. So that's on the ACM database. And you'll see researchers from all over the world contributing to that field. And it's really, really great research. It's quite difficult to get into that conference. Within um, technological fields, these conferences are kind of our journals. So, yeah, it's important. Any practical tips as well? If I'm going to start trying to do this tomorrow, what should I be letting myself in for? Primarily going back to those four elements. So what's in it for the participants? What are you thinking of getting out of it yourself? Why are mm. you doing these things? And a lot of people walk into PD with a really clear objective. How are you involving the users in the design of those objectives? Is it actually something that reflects their, the issues that they're facing in their own uh, practice contexts? Um, how do the methods that you're designing reflect what they do? Um, are they being given opportunities to kind of talk about what they or express themselves. So a lot of, for example, with students thinking about the different forms of communication and learning. Um, and presumably being flexible enough to allow the participants to bring their own methods in? Potentially. That could be something that could emerge. I think a lot of it is around, uh, well, this is just based on my experience working with children in their play, and I'm sure it's different when you're working in school contexts, but there's an element of uncertainty when you're walking, working in the design and just having that freedom and agility to kind of shift with what it is that they as users and partners in this process, the directions they're wanting to go in and mm. being open to exploring that. It's a balance between, again, that process and outcome that you're looking for. Finally, I mean, this all sounds fantastic. You seem very engaged in it, and I'm sure other education researchers are going to take it up over the next few years. What would be your dream PD project if you had a million dollars? I mean, what would be your dream topic or research problem? Well, my primary interest is looking at how we can conserve biodiversity around the world. It's a huge issue we're facing today. So in um, particularly in urban areas where there's a lot of um, biodiversity, like a lot of our cities in Australia, for example, are quite biodiverse and how we can preserve these areas w with this um, tension of like increasing population and, and urbanisation. So I think participatory design has really interesting applications in that area, how we can work with children and families and local communities, councils, different organisations to around these natural areas, how we can restore them, protect them, and how they can become essential parts of how we live in our everyday. So I think understanding the different values around nature and trying to tap into those different applications and uses is one way PD could be useful. Sounds like a big job. Quite a big job. <laughs> well, good luck with that. It's been fascinating to hear about this, other, this approach to research. I'm sure you've inspired lots of people. Thanks ever so much. Thanks, Neil.